Double R Wax, thank you guys. Yes, it's only an hour. Myself and Jordan Scruggs. I'll introduce Jordan here in a sec. Uh, I apologize if we're a little, um, uh, a little scraggly to start. I mean, I've got a, I've got a ring light. I actually bought a ring light for a Black Friday sale because somebody else had my setup with the glare and stuff. Looks like I'm in a CD Motel Six in Waco or something. So I'm getting that worked out. I just haven't set it up yet. It's sitting right over there staring at me. Uh, Jordan is. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Jordan Scruggs, uh, if you're a member of Horns 24-7, you know all about Jordan's work. If you followed high school Hopefully. football in the Austin area or in the state of Texas, you know about Jordan's work. Uh, rising star in the recruiting business in the Texas market. He'll be all over it with the transfer portal when it comes to when the portal opens. The portal opens a week from today. So it could be a deal where our show next Monday, like Jordan's just glued to the phone the entire time because the portal is going to be insane when that thing opens. Jordan, uh I can't thank you enough for doing this. I know we talked off air, but thank you for doing this show. And I'm looking forward to this, man. I think this is going to be fun, even though today will be – I'll be abbreviated. I'll be bumping off at the bottom of the hour for Sark's press conference, and BK is going to finish it up. But I think this is going to be fun, man. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm excited. I mean, uh, on, on the way to school, I grew up kind of listening to some of y'all, uh, the tech sports unfiltered, obviously, with a different platform then. But, you know, excited to be a part of it. Um, excited to do a show with you, Jeff. Yeah, well, let's get right into it because – I don't have a ton of time, so we're going to have to just kind of hit the ground running here. Uh, Jordan, I don't know that there's too much to talk about with the Texas Tech game at this point uh, because, uh, in my mind, I've moved on to the Big 12 championship game. But, you know, that was a game the other night where we <laughs> I wrote it on the site and I talked about it last week here. Pretty much any platform I had, I'm like, look, man, I really hope Tech's game plan isn't to just try to sledgehammer Taj Brooks against this Texas defense and hope for the best. But, Not going to work. Uh, <laughs> Damn, man, that was kind of their game plan, though. And, and kind of like we all thought, it it, it really didn't work. Uh, just a, a lights-out effort by the Texas defense. I want to ask you this, though, because, uh, you know, we don't really get to talk during games or anything. I what, Sark mentioned this after the game, and you could tell, with some technique changes on the back end where guys just naturally play more aggressive, did some things change with coverage. I don't know, man, but I like the fact that guys were up in guys' faces defending slant routes on third and medium, third and short, and it just seemed like – a uh, little bit of sense of urgency from the secondary that might have been lacking in, in recent weeks was there. Maybe they found some of that against Iowa State, but I like what I saw on the back end, man, on uh, on Friday. Yeah, um, I still kind of need to go through the whole game in depth. Um, I watched the first half from the, the Alamo Dome press box with with Mike Roach and Matt Stepp um, while the DeSoto-Willis game was going on. Um, Which was wild, the- too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, awesome game. Uh, sad to see DJ Lagway's high school career end, but, um, I mean, hell of a run for him. Um, and then the second half, uh, you know, didn't get to watch much of it because I was down on the field at the Alamo Dome, but did get a notification when Arch went in. I pulled the game up on my phone to see him hand the ball off and scramble and fumble a snap. But, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, experience is experience, you know. So, yeah. um, I don't know. You know, I'm sure a lot of people, especially the people in the stadium, um, my dad, my dad, some of my family was there and they were saying that was even on senior night. Some of the loudest it got was when he came in to hand yeah. the ball off. So I'm telling you, man, I, I was not there for VY's first game in the house. Uh, but I was watching it on TV. I was there for one of Cedric Benson's early games. There was the same kind of juice. And, and you know, the, the Cedric Benson game I was there for was, uh, it was the North Carolina game, which I think was the second, third game of the year in that old one season. It's Cole Pittman dedication day. It's a, it's an emotional day as it is, but there was a palpable buzz. There was a juice. It's like, oh man, Cedric Benson's coming into the game, and like I remember Vy's first game, and, and you kind of go down the list, man. That was that was one of those moments that I think if you were in the building, if you watched it, hopefully we saw the quarterback of the future on the forty acres, and hopefully that's one that like when we talk about Vince's first game or Colts' first game, you look back at at Arch's first game, those first few moments. Uh, yeah, it was. It was interesting, Jordan, just to kind of watch that drive. And I don't know how much of that drive you got to watch, but, you know, you see Arch connect with Jonte Cook for a long game. Uh, you know, you see Trey Wisner in there doing some work. And, and our guy Eric Henry wrote about this uh, at Horns 24-7, and he and I talked about it in the press box. I am – I'm blown away. Like, we've seen talented Texas freshman classes. Don't get me wrong. We've mm-hmm. seen talented Texas freshman players. But I'm blown away at – the football IQs, the readiness, the fact that this is a freshman class from the top, whether you're talking about Derek Williams or Anthony Hill, all the way down to 
you know, the Trey Wisners and, and, and guys like that that were kind of afterthoughts for the fan base and, and for Gen Pop. Dude, I'm shocked at how many of these guys just the moment's not too big for them and they're just ready to go right from the jump, man. Yeah, what, what I was surprised the most by out of all the, the true freshmen that came in was I believe Jaden Chapman was on the second rotation for the O-line. I was very impressed by yeah. by Jaden Chapman doing that. I honestly didn't think he'd see a snap this year outside of maybe PAT or special teams. You know, it's just rare for the true freshman O-lineman to play, especially, you know, at Texas. Um, but, yeah, John, that that was pretty cool. John taking his first catch from Arch in a game. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, that's who they want to be, the hair parents of Quinn and, and Xavier. So hopefully that yeah. connection should go. And, you know, I started laughing every year talking about remembering, like, said Benson's first game and everything because I was at DKR for uh, Tyrone Swoops' first game. I forgot who Texas was playing. <laughs> but they were they were blowing out somebody, and Mac puts them in with – there was barely any oh. time left, I remember correctly, and it burned his red shirt because back then easy. you play a snap. It was TCU. Yeah. It was in Fort Worth at like two in the morning. Yeah. Wait, I thought that was at DKR where his red shirt got burned. No, that was it. Uh, it had already been burned by that point. It was because he got oh. into the, he got into. Oh man, what game would that have been? I guess that would have been the Texas Tech game at the end of the mm-hmm. year on Thanksgiving. But yeah, it got burned. Um, yeah, at like two in the morning at in Fort Worth, and that was a, it. Was like a three hour rain delay and lightning and all kinds of stuff. And by that point, I'm like, well, there ain't nothing to write about. And then we see 18 jog out there. I'm like, well, just burn the burn the quarterback's red shirt, you know, nine games into the year. But yeah, it's it's never. But I, that's why I love the four game rule because it gives you some some flexibility like that. But yeah, uh, I, I think I think the other thing too, Jordan, this fan base is long past the point of having to worry about you know. And I love both these guys, good dudes, but like. You know, having to worry about man, is Malik Murphy going to transfer? Is Arch going to be ready? Is Quinn going to come back? You're dealing with yeah. first world problems and not wondering about all right, Tyrone Swoops or Gerard Hurd, which guy is it going to be? And then just kind of figure yeah. out, okay, do we have can we throw the forward pass this weekend? Yeah, we or like this David Ash or Case McCoy <laughs> minus his performance versus AM. Is one of these, is one of game. these, yeah, is one of these guys healthy enough to play this week? So, yeah, it, it's first world problems for Texas that quarterback right now um we'll, we'll kind of switch gears because i want to make sure i hit some different bases with you we'll, we'll get to the big 12 championship game i'll get back to some texas tech stuff uh but there were some recruiting visitors for the last home game uh, i've gotten this question a lot texas can't host recruits or issue tickets or anything like that for the big 12 championship game that's uh it's not uh you know recruits if they want to buy tickets and go on their own i've heard recruits do that over the years but it's not like texas can can issue tickets or anything like that and definitely can't talk mm-hmm. to guys you can't do that for the oklahoma game either but where mm-hmm. are things at right now, Jordan? I mean, Kobe Black's got a decision coming up. You got a couple decisions coming up. Uh, t- you know, Tyant that race for Ty Anthony Smith. Uh, is Texas going to flip any other guys from from Billy Napier's staff now that their season's done? Uh, kind of give me your kind of thirty thousand foot view right now of of where things are on the recruiting front. Yeah, well, uh, to start it off, uh, Kobe Black isn't going to commit on November 29th anymore. Um, right as we were coming on air, uh, Mike Roach passed story. He's changing his date. Uh, the date is TBD t- to be decided. Um, I was told by a source that he'll be at the Big 12 championship game this weekend. Not sure, you know, that's more for Texas and more for his brother, Corey Black, who he's just obviously playing at Oklahoma State versus mm-hmm. Texas. Um, but, you know, I guess we'll track that. Um, I still feel just as good about Kobe Black's recruitment um, and the potential of him ending up at Texas that I did this morning when the decision was set for Wednesday. Um, so I, I don't think the timeline really affect anything. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, it's hard to, hard to remember, but you know, these kids are 17, 16, they changed their mind. Um, I'm not sure exactly why he's changing the date, but, you know, I've been told nothing that makes me feel different about right. uh, my, my crystal ball form. Um, to Anthony Smith, Jasper's still alive in the playoffs, man. They were six and four in the regular season. Now they're in the fourth round. Um, I believe they got Quero this week. Um, yeah. I might be, or they might have beaten. Or, no, I think yeah. they beat Quero last week. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I forgot who, who they got this week. I believe they're playing in the Woodland Zone on Friday at seven o'clock. Um, thinking about going, but. With Ty Anthony, it's just, man, he's locked into uh, the playoff run with Jasper. He's a leader of that team. Um, they struggled with quarterback play this year, so he's had to step in at QB and actually play Wildcat QB for them, which has been really fun to watch. Um, so, 
I mean, yeah, until his season's over, he's not going to take a visit to Texas. Um, they're playing Belleville, <laughs> per my guy Nick Harris, uh, this week. So he'll be going up against DJ Sanders, actually, who's also a monster in the 2025 class. He's a D lineman at Belleville. Um, but with Ty Anthony, the, the coaching search at AM always said it was going to have an effect on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe Mike Elko. If he was a part of A&M's recruiting efforts for A&M, it would have been very, very early on um, before he left and went to Duke. Um, but, you know, I think Durkin, is, as long as he's retained, which, you know, we're not sure of but the, the, the assistant staff moves yet. Um, but I think Durkin, if he's in called station, that'll help A&M uh, with potentially keeping Ty Anthony. And with Elko, I assume he's going to bring back Santucci as well. Um, I think that can also be a major plus for the Aggies in terms of keeping him. Um, I know several players on the A&M team who had thoughts about leaving, if not were planning to leave, and <laughs> a lot of that has changed um, since Elko News has been announced. You know, a lot of them wanted Elijah Robinson to be the head coach. To be honest, I don't think any of them really believed that would happen, um, but they're obviously pushing for it, but – Elko being there, I think, is the best case scenario for them in terms of keeping the roster intact. Um, And honestly, just because I never saw the Elijah Robinson thing is really being realistic that Elko is the best option for them in keeping their recruiting class. So, yeah, I I agree, man. Dude, how wild was that? It's funny. uh, I don't (laughs) Um, know. I don't remember if you texted this or I saw you posted on the board, but I was I had like two or three different texts going Saturday night and all of them kind of said the same thing, like, man, Mark Stoops just got Shiano'd. Did Mark Stoops just get Shiano'd? It was wild the way that thing unfolded. And, uh, you know, is is this going to end up costing Ross Bjork his job? Like, it's just it, – it's it's one of those deals, man. A, a lot of the stuff – and, look, we Texas saves their chaos for, for, like, assistant coaching hires. Like, the head coaching hires, usually Texas has a plan on what to do for those, at least the last couple times they have. Say what you want, but usually Texas saves that drama for assistant coaching hires. But and, and as CB points out in the chat, and I mentioned this, like, how would you power it? Like, what was the what was the best moment of the Mark Stoops era uh, in College Station? As brief as it was, like that's the kind of jokes you're making a couple hours after the news comes out that he's hired. So a And M ends up with Mike Elko. Bottom line for you, Jordan, is it good, bad, or indifferent? TBD as far as the recruiting impact this is going to have. I, I would assume. In the interim, maybe less than finishing off their 2024 class, right? It was probably just making sure, hey, can you keep guys from just getting in the portal at this point? Yeah. And, and having um, to replace, you know, a, a third of your roster this spring. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it is the best case scenario for them, to be honest with you, just because, again, I never saw the Elijah Robinson thing as being realistic. Um, but, you know, with Texas, I honestly think it might be best that they hired Elko um just because when you look at it from the viewpoint like the way Elko was handling recruiting when he was at A&M is very similar to how Jimbo was and I mean again recruiting was never the problem at A&M it was coaching development and um, managing them off the field and as well as on the field but I think Elko's gonna kind of maintain the same level and style of recruiting which could benefit Texas because they already know how to combat that you know, they're not going to beat A&M every time, but they know how to combat that. It's yeah. when you look at it that way, I think that could be better than, I don't know. I never thought landing was ever realistic, but if landing comes in there, then now Texas has to adapt to how A&M style recruiting is completely different inside the state. You know, things change like that. Mm-hmm. So El- Elko coming back, you know, provides stability across, not just for A&M, but also for Texas. You know, they kind of already know what they're going up against and facing here in terms of recruiting and competing against the staff. And I think that's what makes if you're a Texas fan, that's what should make you feel good about where Sark's got this thing right now. Because if you if you just look at the landscape in the state of Texas, right? Like I don't for me, this is just me talking, my my thoughts. I don't know where you are. This is just my mm-hmm. my personal thoughts. I don't see a program doing in the state of Texas like what Mac Brown did back in the heyday, where it's just you're just mm-hmm. cherry picking, you know, the top 10 to 15 guys. And maybe there's a couple of those guys that kind of culturally maybe don't fit you or schematically don't fit you or whatever. But basically, you're just cherry picking guys at that point and, and basically 
ruling recruiting in the state with an iron fist, say for a year or two when he was on that run. I don't think that's going to happen anymore, especially now that you look at the top two brands in the state with Texas and Texas A&M. Say what you want about them, Texas fans. I can say the same thing about A&M just in terms of there's Texas A&M. They're always going to get players. Are they going to get enough difference makers? Are they going to have a guy that they can develop talent? Jordan, kind of like what you were just saying. It's not a matter of a them getting players. They're always going to get players. But I think the fact that the two big brands in the state are now in the SEC, Texas is 100% an SEC territory, especially, you know, draw a circle, like go up to Far East Texas and like Atlanta and Texarkana and just draw a big circle, a big oval down like through the Golden Triangle. You know, that's pretty much the, the, the front door to the SEC in Texas now. Uh, you know, it's too competitive. The state is too competitive. It's it's turning into like what, what you think about Ohio or Southern California or, or, or the metro Atlanta area or whatever. So I don't think from that standpoint, you have to even focus on that. That's not part of it. But when you look at just the stability Texas has right now and has the potential to have with Sark, you know, A&M's in a transitional period with a new head coach. If you look at the other P5 schools, Dave Aranda is going to get one last chance to rework that staff at Baylor. So I, for those of you who don't know, I covered Baylor recruiting for a year. So I know the ins and out of this program. I don't know where we're going to get to the Baylor thing or not. I know the ins and out of this program pretty well. Like, why? what are they doing? What are you doing, Mac Rhodes? Like, he, if you don't fire him now, you're firing him next year. And they're saying the NIL – uh, is going to be doubled or whatever. Like two yeah. times zero is still zero. <laughs> it, it, like it, it, it's not gonna, it's not gonna change a lot of stuff. Um, and to be honest, like man, they build their whole program off like the person over player mantra. Like man, if I'm just being honest, kids gonna give a shit about that if they're getting paid to go on visits, go to, you know, go to school. So yeah. it just it, it's stupid. Uh, they're saying they're gonna replace a lot of the assistant staff. You obviously have to do that, but I mean, um, <laughs> Baylor firing their OC Jeff Grimes. This is now the third OC hire Randall will have made in four years, right? Yeah. And then the defense isn't really the problem. Uh, Powledge, I don't know if he's getting canned. Honestly, I haven't seen. I've been paying attention which coaches have or haven't been dropped. All, all I've seen is Grimes, but uh, Powledge, that's their DC. He was originally the safeties coach on the 2021 Big 12 championship team and then never landing went to Oregon. Uh, he took the co-DC job and the safeties coach job at Oregon, was there for one year in 2022. And then this past offseason, the Baylor defense was so bad, they fired the DC and the special teams coordinator. They replaced the DC with Powledge after he was at Oregon for one year, and he's now the DC and safeties coach at Baylor. Yeah. And knowing the <laughs> the assistant coach is fairly well, he's he's the best one. He's the best one, and they're probably going to have to fire him now because they're refusing to fire Aranda. Well, he get fired anyways, yeah. but and like Aranda's he's one of the few yeah. guys who should get an invite back. Yeah, whether Powell is staying or not, whether Powell is staying or not, Aranda's it's already been said that Aranda's going to take over defensive play calling next year. Yeah. So, it, Baylor, Baylor, Jordan, in your opinion, I don't want to put words in your mouth. It, is it is it reshuffling deck chairs on the Titanic at this point? Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, thank you, Colin. I saw your comment. Um, no, I mean with. Until the NIL problems fix at Baylor, it's going – mediocrity is what they're going to have to accept. Mm, yeah. um, I, I, won't, like, I won't say the numbers, but the highest-paid player at Baylor last year could have made more at Texas Tech as a walk-on, guaranteed. Because different schools have different programs set up where you're guaranteed, you know, different dollar amounts, stuff like that, uh, walk-on or scholarship. And that's obviously a problem for Baylor. And, you know, it really doesn't make sense to me. I know the the way the money's coming in is in two different, like, entities for basketball and football. But, like, basketball, they're signing a top ten kid every year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, like, I don't, basket, I don't know. I don't know bas- yeah. The bags for basketball are bigger. Yeah. yeah. The the bags for basketball are a lot bigger than the bags for football. Um, so, they, they have it figured out there. I don't know why it's taking so long for football. I know they've done really random different deals with some football players that just made no sense to me. Um, but, but yeah, so Baylor, as long as the Rand is there, you know, maybe, maybe they turn it around, but I don't know. I think, what do you think the funniest possible hire he could make as his OC? Cause like Petrino has got to be the number one. 
I mean, a guy I thought about, and, and I don't know if this is the answer, but a guy I'm intrigued with, and I don't know, maybe he just doesn't want to coach, and I found it really weird that he's an analyst at Indiana, but there was a time when Justin Fuente was a candidate for that job. I think it was maybe, maybe – Dave was, Aranda was a candidate for the Nebraska job last yeah, year. Yeah, you I know? want to say, man, when was – Fuente, I think, was a candidate – Whenever Tom Herman was a candidate, I guess that would have been right before Rule was hired, I guess, when they yeah, the interim year with Jim Grove between Art Bryles and Matt Rule. Uh, you know, Justin Fuente was a candidate for that. And I mean, one of Gary Patterson, one of the probably one of the best assistants Gary Patterson ever had at TCU. I didn't think he was terrible at Virginia Tech, but you know, you follow a legend of Frank Beamer, you're, you know kind of dealing with you know kind of open up the can of worms there for yourself and and the standard is probably going to be unrealistic so i don't know maybe justin fuente makes some sense uh again Baylor I, offensive coordinator bob stoops <laughs> why not man just go bring him go, bring him back to the brazos go go all in go all in on defense try to be the iowa of the big 12 and win games like 10 3 uh that's Recruit another thing you. with the, the the whole system at Baylor is just so messed. Like their fans, very fair weather. They're like, at least in my experience, I had to watch them last year, and I like wanted to put forks in my eyes. Um, they just play a very boring style of football, and they're not good. Um, and <laughs> the little money that is going into the program through boosters, or whatever, dries up when they suck. And right now, they just suck. Yeah. Um, so that's how that's how it is. And with with, with Baylor. Even in the city of Waco, those people don't really like Baylor. You know, it's a private, super expensive university. They don't support them. It's I wouldn't either. Man. Yeah, my years, my years covering Baylor and being around that program. And granted, this was this was like the Guy Morris era of Baylor football. Um, it, it's really weird how like you section off that little area around campus, and it's like outside of that. Yeah, it, it, it was different then because Baylor wasn't any good at anything. But as, even now, it's like you drive through there, and yeah, it's kind of. All the Baylor stuff was relegated like that that area on the on the uh oh that'd be the east side of 35. And then yeah, it's just like there's just Waco at large, the rest of it. So yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh but getting back to the landscape in the state of Texas and why Texas fans should feel good. So you've got AM in a transitional period, uh Baylor's in a transitional period. Who knows what TCU is gonna do this offseason coming off of a five-win season? Uh, you know, Texas Tech is bowl eligible, and you know, maybe you know. I don't want to say tech is out of sight, out of mind, but you kind of have to be different. You kind of have to have your own identity to be successful in Lubbock. We've seen that over the years. And, and you know, the, maybe you talk about NIL money, Jordan, maybe the one program we're not talking about that I don't want to use the term sleeping giant, but Houston's really interesting. Oh. Dep- depending on what they do with this hire and if they can get some NIL money in there, that's not a terrible job. And, you know, the you, you've got room to move up into Big 12. So, it's really weird to say this considering where things started for Sark, but of the power five schools in the state, Texas is by far the most stable right now. It's not even yeah. close. Yeah. And like, man, on getting to just sit on the couch all day Saturday and not have to stress about Texas playing later that day or earlier that day or whatever. Awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> And, I, you know, I'm laying in my bed. It's midnight, and we're just getting the craziest stories about Mark Stoops. That's what it out, but it was just like, God, I love college football. Yeah, you do, <laughs> like, man. It's And, like, the whole weekend was so much better for Texas fans as a whole. One, you beat Tech by 50 points. But everything you said, like, for the first time in I don't know how long, it's the most stable program in the state. Um, what you were saying, though, about a Stephen Giant Houston, very true. Um they they're getting very uh um they're very competitive in terms of keeping their players there mm-hmm. um i think depending on well i know this for a fact depending on who is brought back from that staff a lot of players are going to leave houston um yeah. and go to a better opportunity and, and get paid a lot more um but you know we have to wait to see who's hired and who's retained who's not I think the two coaches, it would be no-brainers for the new staff, and it would be very stupid if they didn't bring them back uh, to kill Schwartz, the receiver's coach. Yeah. He's the reason Matthew Golden, Jonah Wilson, uh, Mikhail Harrison, Pilot are all there. If he's not there, Jonah Wilson's at Texas, Matthew Golden, I don't know where he's at. Uh, Mikhail Harrison, Pilot, probably Cal. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But the other coach, the D-line coach, interior D-line, he's obviously damn good. I'm blanking on his name. Um, but he's a damn good coach as well. The school I wanted to talk about that is a sleeping giant is SMU. Um, I actually talked to a, a source at SMU, and with them going to the ACC, obviously everyone saw how much uh, money they came up with in such a short period of time. And they are intending to also distribute that money in football recruiting as well, um, yeah. as they should. They want to compete. Um, I think in the 2024 class, they realize it's too late, you know, to go out and get a big-name dude in the DFW area. But in 2025, I know for a fact, like, their goal, I think they already know they can't get to Corian Moore, obviously. Um, and he's obviously committed to LSU and Texas is trying to get him. But their goal is to sign a top 100 kid in the country that hails from the Dallas area. And it's very realistic. And they have the funds to do it. In fact, there's a very, very big high-profile recruitment out of the state of Texas that SMU actually finished second for um, in NIL numbers, which was kind of – it's kind of unheard of. Um, yeah. But – SMU but was yeah. doing NIL before it was legal uh, back in the day. <laughs> you know, right. Here's here's the thing about SMU though, Jordan. That that really mm-hmm. that I think should really intrigue you is uh, BK is getting ready to come on, and I'm I'm gonna bump off. But uh, with SMU, do you do you realize how much money you have to have in the coffers to say to tell a Power Five school, hey, we're not gonna take any of your TV money for X number of years. We don't need it. We're we're gonna be good. We just wanna we just wanna have we just wanna be in the Power Five league. Yeah, like <laughs> we just wanna be included. Or I guess it would be the Power Four now. Whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I hate that. I saw that on Twitter. Someone typed that out, and I'm like, man, what the hell is this? <laughs> Can we keep it Power 5? It sounds so much better. Yeah, as, as Jake mentioned in the chat, can't wait to watch SMU play at Boston College. Like, dude, the ACC uh, is going to be so wheels off. Like, dude, you're going to have, like, yeah, let's get to that historic, uh, you know, grudge match between Syracuse and Stanford. Like, dude, are y'all going to have to, like, geez. meet in Kansas City to play? I don't know, man. Uh, that's, that's wild to think about. Play Arrowhead. Yeah, that's wild to think about how just how late, how geographically diverse, how geographically nonsensical the Atlantic Coast Conference is now to include Cal and Stanford and SMU. Yeah. But it, yeah. it's it's just it's just the, the day and time we're living in. But you know, Texas coming off the win over Texas Tech, getting ready to play in a Big Twelve championship game against Oklahoma State. Jordan, I said it, man. J- just when you, just when Texas fans probably thought, man, we're done with Mike Gundy, don't have to deal with with the mullet anymore, and all the with the hair dye, the crazy, just the crazy shenanigans that go on over there, and that that series has been nuts anyway. Just weird stuff happens. He's the last. That it's like it's like being in a video game, man. This is the final boss for Sark before you can win a conference championship. Is Mike Gundy's mullet? Uh, I don't know, man. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by it just because, again, it's similar to the Texas Tech game. It's strength on strength. And, you know, is, is if if Texas has any kind of success neutralizing Ollie Gordon, is Alan Bowman good enough to go in a game for you in a conference championship game? I can tell you this, regardless of what you think about Quinn Ewers, I can tell you which of the two quarterbacks I trust more on Saturday to go win a game. And yeah, I don't know. Kind Saturday, of a hard choice. Yeah. So kind of a uh, hard choice, but uh, we're getting ready for the Sark press conference here in a minute. Uh, anything else from the tech game stand out to you? I mean, I just thought from a special team standpoint, it was probably the best special teams performance. And, and, and it's not like special teams has been bad this year. Uh, but you know, Jeff Banks took advantage. You could tell, man, once Tech's deep snapper went out, uh, you could tell their protection was going to have some flaws in it. So they dialed up the block punt at the right time. You get a Keelan Robinson kickoff return. You score in all three phases with the, the pass rush specialist, Jet Bush getting himself a pick six in the weird the weirdest damn pick six you'll ever see yeah, uh looking like ricky running it back yeah and, and it's one of those deals man we talk about quinn and quinn's gonna be a big topic of discussion this week because look he's going back to at&t stadium where it's in his backyard but he lost the state championship game there he can get texas one more big 12 championship before they go to the sec the oklahoma state game last year still probably the worst game of his career at texas in the two years he's been the quarterback oh so that was it was it was pretty forgettable last year but all things said, man, Quinn's going to be a big topic of discussion. But, you know, was Quinn great in the Texas Tech game? No, but he didn't need to be. Like, he didn't need to be great. Yeah. He just he just didn't need to be terrible, and he by no means was terrible, I didn't think, no. on, on Friday. Not at all. Um, I mean, the key the key to the game is stop Ollie Gordon. Obviously, easier said than done, but, um, you know, you stop him, you limit everything they have. Um, 
And Bowman, it's no. Like if he if Texas makes it where for Oklahoma State to win, Bowman has to beat him with their arm. Texas has probably already won the game. Yeah, um, I'm the thing I'm worried. I'm I'm looking at Jordan. How healthy is Oklahoma State gonna be? Because man, I watched that BYU game and that looked like a team that needed to spend the rest of that night and all day Sunday probably getting in, you know, taking turns in the cold tub because that that looks like a group that's just beat up. I mean, I know Texas is beat up, and I think the day off Saturday probably was as good as anything for this team just to get that extra day to get, even just guys. Man, if it's just an extra day, not even get in the training room, just get off your feet and don't do anything. That extra yeah. day could be huge because while you were rested on the couch, uh, Oklahoma State was winning a game, having to come back in a game in god awful conditions in Stillwater against BYU. against some twenty eight year olds. Yeah, it's <laughs> in, in in a in a real war of attrition uh, against BYU in that team, but you know it's. <clears throat> I don't know. There's a lot of different things I could talk about, you know, in the time we've got left. But, you know, I think about Texas going to the SEC and look, maybe Texas is playing A&M Thanksgiving weekend next year. Like maybe they're not, but it's going to be better than whatever the Big 12 puts out. Like, yeah, let's get kind of like I talked about with the ACC. Like, yeah, nothing's going to save rivalry week like BYU and Kansas State playing Thanksgiving weekend. Like there's just eh, we're we're at that point. We're at that point with the Big Twelve where there's just there's just not gonna be a whole lot going on. Um yeah. Uh, hey, I, sorry, go ahead. You gotta no, go. No, you, you, you go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just saying, um, do you think Sark like throughout this week has like been in his mirror like practicing like how he's gonna grab the trophy, like if, if they win, obviously. After you after they win, when your mark's handing it to him, like if he's gonna say any slick shit, I doubt he would. But so I know uh, I know the Big 12 has done this marketing. uh, What is it? A marketing agreement or whatever it is with the WWE, where I guess the MVP. Oh, I I forgot about that. Does Sark get a belt or no? He still gets the regular trophy, right? He doesn't he doesn't get a belt. If Tavondre wins it, they're going to need a bigger belt. (laughs) Going to need one of those extenders out there on that thing. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's but the you bring up you bring up Sark, and you know I don't want to say it's gotten lost in the shuffle with with the success this team has had, and now you know it's kind of refreshing to to be in championship week, and not only is Texas getting ready for a championship game, but we're talking about like you're having legitimate CFP discussions. But I think for Sark, like you know, to shed that label of like oh he's seven win Sark, that's all he's gonna do, like. He's a different guy than he was when he was at Washington for in a lot of different ways. He's not the same guy he was when he was at Washington or when he was at SC. And that's why I asked him the question that I asked him last week was, hey, you know, as you're sitting back, you know, when all your stops, whether it's the NFL or Alabama or wherever, like making that checklist of, and if I ever get to be a head coach again, I want to do this, this and this. Uh, you know, he said he has gotten to implement a lot of that. And I think now you're seeing the best version of not only Steve Sarkeesian, the person, the best version of Steve Sarkeesian, the coach. And this is a guy that, look, is Sark perfect? No. And I've certainly had my issues and voiced my concerns with Sark, most notably that fake field goal against Houston, which is still maybe the most nonsensical on-field thing he's done during his time at Texas, and that that covers some decent ground. But when you take a look at Sark, just the, just the, the coach he is now, he's a guy that understands how to evaluate, how to identify talent, the right kind of talent, how to evaluate it, what a what a good culture is, what fostering that culture is all about, maintaining it. And a lot of that stuff, man, at Texas, kind of like you talking about with AM Jordan, that's been the stuff that's been the biggest part of the problem, man. It hasn't necessarily been getting players. It's internally you've been so dysfunctional, you haven't been able to get out of your own way. That's a big part of it. I feel like Sark is say what you want about whatever the future holds for him. I just feel like he's at that point now where I don't I don't I feel like he's beyond the point where he's going to get in his own way at this point. Like you're, you're dealing with bigger problems. Now you're dealing with bigger issues now. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's definitely been just so much maturity from him um, in his three, his three years. Um, <laughs> Kobe black just DM me asking me for pictures of him. Um, <laughs> but you, uh, there's been so much maturity from, from Sark in the three years there. And I mean, it's, 
the seven went Sark. Most of that has quieted, at least from the Texas fan base. I think you only hear it from people outside the Texas yeah. fan base nowadays. But, I mean, it's such a lazy take, especially with how much, like, the college football as a whole has changed with NIL, the portal, everything else. I mean, like, recruiting in the portal, like, he's at the top of the top. And, you know, he's starting to put it together where he's considered up there with actually, you know, on-field coaching too, you yeah. know, alongside Kirby Saban in that same regard. But – but yeah, um, I know you got to go soon, Jeff. Um, yeah, we're just uh, just waiting for BK. Um, okay, Sark, worry, Sark worry, press conference. Sark press conference has already started. Um, I'm just. Oh, I have no idea what's being said. I've been but, here. Oh, what's up, BK? Uh, I'm gonna I'm here. gonna bail. I'm gonna bail. I'll let you two guys finish it up, and I'm gonna go see uh, what Sark has to say over these next uh, next 20 minutes. I'll be back tomorrow. It's only an hour. Jordan and I will do it tomorrow and uh, every other day this week. So. See you guys tomorrow. Good yes, night, sir. See you, brother. Uh, what's up, Jordan? Man, just talking Baylor, AM, Texas. You know how it is that time of the year. Yeah, y'all have been all over the place, man. And I, I, I'm with you. Like, I'm fascinated that Dave Aranda was able to keep his job. Like, I, I almost thought he was gone regardless of what happened in West Virginia over the weekend. But them losing and losing in that fashion, like, I thought for sure that was going to be the nail in the coffin for that guy. And I almost – Almost feels like a gift. Obviously, Texas won't deal with them anymore, but it feels like a gift to the other teams in the Big 12 that uh, Dave Aranda's sticking around there for another season. Yeah, and like, I don't know. I know their staff is trying to be positive on Twitter and stuff like that because like this, there couldn't be a bigger hit to recruiting than this. But yeah. it's like, man, like y'all, <laughs> what are they doing? What are they doing? For long-term, short-term, it makes no sense. Like the – the only way this is justified is if Baylor is so broke that they can't afford his buyout. That's the only way this can be justified. Yeah, I haven't even looked at the buyout. Is it? I mean, well, so it's it's a Baylor's private, so the exact number isn't known. But I think I read something. The range is somewhere between like five and six million. God, they can't afford that. <sighs> yeah, or actually, I might have been getting that confused with Stoops. I might have been getting that confused with Stoops. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Let me see if I yeah. can. That's bizarre. Oh, this, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that, I think they'd be able to afford that. I heard y'all talking Baylor basketball, you know, just okay. put some of the money away for a five-star basketball kid and pay Dave Aranda to leave and, and get the football coach, right? And that, that's the thing, like, Baylor, yeah. Baylor always hires well in football. So, like, I know according, Aranda has – hey, go ahead. According to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, okay. Aranda's buyout would be in the neighborhood of $24 million and it's likely closer to $30 million from okay. November 13th of this year. All right, now that – that's a little tougher for Baylor to pay. It's yeah. like five or six million. Shit, that's that's nothing for anybody. But yeah, twenty four to thirty. I get why they'd be keeping him yeah. for another year and just hoping he can figure it out. But man, like it's I don't know. They they always hire well. Like Aranda did win the Big Twelve. What in his second year? He did, but um knowing that program for a year and covering it and this might be a casual take or not but mm -hmm. i mean those i feel like those are rules players that he that he won with a lot of those guys are in their fifth and sixth year um and you know whenever they all left uh the year after they won the the those so the 2022 nfl draft they had more draft picks out of any school in texas because rules class yeah now that they're all gone each year yeah. and a big part of them is like they're saying i think a big part of i read that a big part of them getting to stay is they convince the admin you know we have these this young freshman class that's really good like i covered them like i there's a handful of guys but i mean they they i think they finished in the 40s or maybe in the 50s last year yeah. like that they I, I i i just i don't know um, for them to be successful, I think that class, like really successful and competing for a Big 12 championship, that class needs to be in their third or fourth year. But the problem is I don't think Aranda will be there anymore in their third or fourth year. Yeah. Because um, right. it just feels like the same thing with Arkansas where you're not firing. Okay, so Baylor's class was 37th overall last year. Um, but it just feels like Arkansas where it's like by y'all not firing Pittman right now, you're just making yourself do it a year later. Yeah. Delaying the inevitable, it, it does kind of feel like that too. Yeah, about Mark saying is Kobe yeah. committing to us or not? Yeah. yeah. Hey, if you're gonna send him any pictures on Twitter, you gotta tell him he's got to commit to Texas. You know, those are the rules, right? 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I still, I still feel really good about my crystal ball form. Um, obviously not committed on Wednesday. Again, yeah. don't know the exact reason for why he's not doing it. Um, and my heavy assumption is because, you know, he wants to see his brother play Texas before potentially committing to Texas. Um, but I don't know. There's, there's a lot of stuff there that we can't quite talk about yet. Um, so, you know, as we get further into the year, uh, then, then we'll, we'll be able to start reporting on it. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, with Kobe black, I still feel great about my crystal ball for him. And I mean, to be honest, I felt great since June. And I remember being at the January junior day, uh, with Hudson Standish used to work with horns 24 seven now on our scouting team at 24 seven. Um, and he had me and him. I just interviewed Kobe as he was walking out and, you know, I asked him, you know, where do you think, how does Texas feel and talking to your sources or whatever? And he's like, you know, there's, there's quiet confidence. Like they, they really feel like they're in a good spot, but they know there's a long way to go. Um, yeah. And honestly, I haven't seen anything yeah. since then that makes me think they haven't been the leader throughout this whole time. Um, That's good. So, you know, is he dragging it out? Maybe, I don't know. At, at the end of the day, it does make our jobs a little harder, but you know, it, it, the same thing's happening at just a different time. Um, yeah. So. You've got to deal yeah. with like 10 of these every year, right? The, the, there's just yeah. always a few recruitments in every cycle that just take way longer than, than they need. Yeah. To. Yeah. I know it's not fun for either the fans or me, um, you know, having to write kind of the same stuff for several months when there isn't a ton new with the recruitment. Not great. Yeah. Um, not super fun. Yeah. But, sure. We're excited to have you on board for a bunch of different reasons, man. But, you know, obviously your, your recruiting prowess and your knowledge of the transfer portal, like you'll be all over that on Horns 24-7. But, of course, we're, uh, we're lucky to have you all over that with us here at Texas Sports Unfiltered. How, uh, you know, for a lot of college football fans, and I'll be honest, like for me personally, just with TSU, I feel like things are going to slow down a little bit after this weekend. Because obviously you've got the long break between conference championship Saturday and then whatever bowl Texas is playing in. And look, it's going to be a New Year's Six Bowl, you would think. You obviously hope it's a playoff game in either L.A. or New Orleans. But uh, you feel like it'll be New Year's Six regardless. So there's a little downtime in between games. But for you, does, does shit just hit the fan? Like as soon as uh, as soon as we get to Sunday, is that when your work kind of starts picking up? Um. Well, yeah. Well, so starting today, I've started to kind of write some like drafts um, of guys I'm expecting to enter the portal or enter the portal and have interest in Texas um, or, you know, different recruiting stuff as it's coming down the wire to with, with high school recruiting. Um, but, but yeah, this is by far the craziest time of the year. Um, and it kind of just sucks because it goes from being wild. We get like kind of like a few days after Christmas and then we got Under Armour All-American game. Adidas, the Polynesian Bowl, everything there. And then we got about two months of not really anything because everyone signs early in December nowadays. So February signing day isn't really anything anymore. Um, and then seven on seven starts, spring ball starts, and it's getting back on the road again. Oh, I said Mark said – or Mike said it's because he wants to look at Elko. Um, yeah, I probably – yeah, that, that does make a lot of sense. Um, mm. Kind of was my assumption as well, but, again, I still feel great about uh, Texas. I – and not doubting that Elko couldn't pull out some magic. He's obviously done it before in his time at A&M previously. And even at Duke, he had some really good recruiting battles he won. Um, but I just think it's – for how long this has been trending towards Texas, like for it to be less than a month away from signing day, um, I just I, – I don't see it happening. Not saying it can't, but, again, I still feel good about the Texas crystal ball, you know, as of uh, 11.46 a.m. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things like with the recruitment like this in years past, I'd be worried because Texas is like, Oh, they just finished seven and five or eight and four. And it's like, Oh shit. If the kid wants to go somewhere else uh, and go to a school that just won 10 games or is playing in its conference championship, then I get it. But yeah, that, that would make it very surprising to me. It's like, this is finally the year Texas has put everything together. And I heard you and Jeff talking about it. Like it feels like there's this program is the most stable in the state of Texas. And it feels like this is not just the apex or the climax. Like it feels like this thing has some lasting power. So for a guy who's seemingly been leading Texas for as long as he has to all of a sudden back off as Texas probably wins the big 12 championship game, like that, that would be out of left field for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, completely. Um, completely. But yeah. with, with, with Kobe, it's, again, I still feel great. Um, and the, I think there's a lot more to this recruitment that could become um, public in a few weeks. But, yeah. again, we, we got to hold on it. Um, I know. I know. Well, let me let me ask you this then, Jordan, because, uh, look, obviously Texas fans are focused on 2023, and we should be playing for mm-hmm. a conference title, playing for a playoff spot potentially. Um, I don't need specific names, but when, when you're thinking about the portal, uh, mm-hmm. obviously guys from Texas are going to leave, but I'm more curious the other way around. Like just what you know about this roster and the guys who are likely to leave for the NFL uh, after this year, where do you think Steve Sarkeesian and this coaching staff are, are talking about? Like what, where are they going to target once the uh, portal season gets here? What do you think the biggest needs could be for Texas in the portal this, uh, this off season? Yeah, um, I think just having a game wrecker at interior D line and off the edge and off and tight end. But the thing about tight ends and edges is, you know, if they're that good, then they probably aren't in the portal because um, great ones don't. There's not many of them, um, and they get paid very well. So I think if a, if a damn good tight end or whatever falls into the lap, they're they're gonna push for that. But um, you know, those tight end and edges are very rare. Like look at. A lot of people forget Ochoan Mathis. Like, he didn't do jack at Nebraska. He didn't do jack. And that was by far the best edge rusher in the portal that year. It wasn't even close. And the numbers that Texas and Nebraska was getting to was ridiculous. Like, ridiculous. I don't even think he's he was drafted. Yeah, I like, don't remember hearing anything about him once he went to Nebraska. I also stopped caring because he wasn't coming to Texas. But, like, I don't, I don't remember yeah. – Nebraska sucks too. That doesn't help. But yeah, you're right. Like I don't think he did anything up there, and he was the uh, the crown jewel of that portal class. And funny how that works. Yeah, and and with with, with the portal, I do know a position there they're going to be very aggressive about um, is the big bodied outside receiver. Um, Ad Mitchell's gone. They don't have that on the roster. Isaiah Nayers, you know, he's tall, but he's not he's not a big body like possession type receiver. That's not what he is. Um, and they want that. And they thought they were getting that in Jonah Wilson last year until he decommitted and went to Houston. Um, and they just don't have that on the roster right now with A.D. Mitchell potentially leaving. Um, so a big-bodied receiver is definitely what they're going to go after, I think, for sure. I already know of several um, guys who fit the description that are entering the portal, but I'm going to let those guys break that news, not me. Um, hmm. But there, there will be a very – uh, uh, in a market for big bodied wide receivers, and their Texas will be able to pick who they want. Yeah, I don't know what Isaiah Nader is. Like, yeah. there hasn't been a lot of disappointment from this season. Texas is 11 and 1 after all, but just with all the talk around that kid last offseason, obviously he tears his ACL, so we didn't get to see him at all. And then uh, just it, it felt like this guy was going to be an impact player for this Texas wide receiver room. And we just have barely seen he played a little bit against Rice in the opener, and then that's kind of it for Nayor. Like, should we expect anything from him next year, or is he just a, a depth guy at this point? Um, you know, I don't know. Um I, I, he's not a guy who will get pushed out. I know that for a fact. Um, but if he wants to leave, I don't think they would do much to maybe keep him. Um, with, with Nair, like, it's just one, Texas doesn't rotate receivers at all. And he's not going to play ahead of Whittington or Xavier or AD. He's just not. Um, and I mean, yeah, like he, he, he can get on the field next year. I think maybe, but I know a part of his playing time being so little has also been some different stuff as well, uh, pertaining off the field. Um, but you know, I don't know. He obviously was talented, and they were, there was all that talk about him for a reason. I mean, there were a lot of people who were saying that that he they thought he was going to end the season more receiving yards last year than Xavier Worthy. Um, and now, obviously, that was before the injury. But, you know, there's talent there, and he did his thing at Wyoming for a reason. Um, so I, I, I don't think he's in any way draftable to leave. And uh, I think best-case scenario for him probably would – honestly, probably to be to transfer out. Um mm. But, you know, I just – I don't know. Um, Someone said Wingo would be a big body wide receiver as a freshman. That is true, but he's not like the – he's not a 50-50 jump ball winner. That's not what he is. Um, 
I, I'm just like a, a good example of this would be like uh, like Mike Williams. <laughs> if, if Mike Williams with the Chargers is kind of what I'm talking about, like big body position type of dude. Um, also, who's the other wide receiver that got injured in his senior high school season? Oh, yeah, Livingstone. Livingstone is actually very similar to Nair. Um, they're both taller, bigger frames, but like they're striders. They're not they're not kind of the go up and get it type. Um, so, and also with Livingstone, he has a list Frank fracture that he might actually be returning from this week. They have in week two. Um, that injury can be anywhere from like four months to two years, depending on the severity. Chet Holmgren, for example, the dude for the Thunder, he missed 18 months because of it. So Livingstone uh, doing that in week two and now coming back, this is – it's round four. So this is week 15 of the season. So yeah. that means he's coming back 14 weeks later. I don't know. It's risky. You know, he he told me the week after he heard it, he was on a play again this year and I asked the coaches and they were like <laughs> – I love joy. So I don't yeah. know if he's going to play. Um, I don't think it's worth the risk, but I mean, it's a, it could be his last high school football game. So, you know, I wouldn't blame him if he wants to suit up, but uh, in terms of Livingstone, he's not, he, he's not going to be a guy who can come in and start. He's not um, yeah. as, as a freshman. People tend to forget if <laughs> freshmen are not supposed to be starting or getting a lot of playing time. Um, if they are, it's either because your team sucks or they're really freaking good. Um, yeah. And, you know, you look at these big-time programs, Alabama, whatever, how many freshmen are starting, true freshmen, consistently? Right. And, and, and the guys who do start are – it's like Will Anderson Jr. It's like Caleb Downs. It's like a guy yeah. like that. It's like, oh, no. Caden Proctor. Guy, yeah, this guy's going to be a first-round pick in a couple of years. Like, they don't – he's not starting because Alabama doesn't have anybody else. He's starting because he's that good – that's where you want to get to if you're Texas, right? Because you're right, those those big-time programs that are competing for championships every year, it's usually mm-hmm. redshirt sophomores and juniors who make up the uh, majority of their starting 22. You'd like to get to that point where you don't have to rely. Even this year, as good as Texas has been, they're still relying on more freshmen than I think Steve Sarkeesian would like. You'd like to get to the point where you don't have to do that that much. Yeah, no, nah, for sure. Um, someone said DeAndre Moore, yeah, I think we'll play a lot next year. Um, I think if anyone's going to start from these receivers, Jonte definitely is my number one pick. DeAndre Moore, DeAndre Moore would be two. Um, and then probably I'm, – I'm, I'm speaking about the freshman. Then Nibla would be three. Um, I think Texas for sure ends up with at least one transfer receiver, though. I mean, you, you would know more about that. And, and from people I've talked to, and you talk yeah. way more to, to people than I do, but it, it feels like that's the wheels are already in motion on that. So I, I, I almost expect two transfer receivers for the long haul. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's a lot. Obviously, other teams are going to try for those same guys, too. So Texas isn't going to take some jabroni if, uh, if there aren't two guys worth taking, but I think it's Sark's mm-hmm. perfect world. He, he might end up with a couple of guys out of the portal. Yeah, I think uh, they're definitely going to take one. I wouldn't be surprised if they take two. I wouldn't be surprised if they take three if it's the right guys. Um, oh. You know, how many scholarship receivers are there after this year? Jonte, DeAndre, Niblett, Casey Kane, Nair. That's it. God, is that it? That's five. Wow. Yeah, three coming in, that'll be eight. Oh. But Nair can leave, so I could go down to seven. Um you know, you need more than that. Uh, right now, they have they have eight on scholarship. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. You, you do need more than that for next year because too many of those guys are too young. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I definitely think they'll get at least one guy from the portal at receiver. Um, depending on how linebacker shakes out for high school recruiting in the 2024 class, if they don't end up with Ty Anthony Smith or – pulling a rabbit out of their ass and getting Justin Williams, which I don't expect to happen, um, then I'd expect them to go on the portal for a linebacker. Um, mm. Which is honestly, you know, one of the better positions I think that they can offer a lot for. Um, you know, they're super, super young at linebacker. So if they can get a veteran there, they can, you know, advertise. You can come be the leader and lead all these dudes who are coming in like Anthony Hill or whatever. Anthony Hill's a pretty good sidekick to have. Yeah. As a linebacker. And a lot of people are forgetting about Leonga LaFowle from Hawaii, man. He had a great uh, great spring, great fall. And, you know, I think he'd be doing very similar things to what Anthony Hill would be doing, but you can't have both of them on the field at the same time. Um, oh, but he, I, re- I really think he'll turn a lot of heads next year. Leonga LaFowle will. Um, damn good player uh, out of Hawaii. So, 
Does he talk yeah. as much shit as uh, Anthony Hill does? <laughs> oh, no. In my – whenever I talk to uh, – like, I'm actually – so I was still covering Baylor whenever the 2023 class was signing with Texas and everything, but I ran into him at a, a seven-on-seven tournament right next to uh, – it was like it was out on the east side of town. I think it was next to the the the, the county penitentiary, the Travis County Penitentiary. It was the craziest yep. seven on seven tournament either. Yeah, um, and he was him and Jonte and a few of the other freshmen pulled up. It was like an NIL event thing, whatever. They had to make an appearance or something. And I was talking to Leon. I definitely don't think he's uh, much of a shit talker. At least with me, he seems like a really great kid. Um, but. I will tell you, the best shit talker I've ever seen at the high school level, by Job. People probably don't even know who the hell that is. He was a uh, four-star edge out of some tiny school in Oklahoma last year. Ended up at Michigan State. He's someone hmm. probably to watch in the portal. Um, but at the All-American Bowl last year, he's a super undersized, raw, but freak athlete type of prospect. And, you know, he wasn't winning all the reps, but – he he was he was giving him the business on all the reps. Yeah, um, it was making all of us laugh pretty hard. And a, a funny thing too, um, I believe he's a I know he's of African descent, but I believe he um, was an immigrant, and he doesn't know a ton of English. So hearing him talk shit is awesome. It's awesome. Um, and all, all of us on the scouting team. All right, twenty four seven sports on the scouting team, recruiting analysts, whatever. We're all like dying the whole week in San Antonio. Was he just um, like mispronouncing words or like using the wrong words in in the wrong no, spot? He's just well, one. He's very quiet. He doesn't talk a lot. So like us not hearing him talk, and then helmets come on, and he's ripping everyone. Then it was hilarious. But no, he wasn't using a ton of like different words. If that makes sense, like he was mm. kind of talking shit with like the same sixteen words. So that's why it was funny. That's all you need, but, and, and to be talking yeah. in practice for the All America game—that's uh, that's incredible. If you're talking that much there, you know it's going to translate to on the field under the lights Friday and Saturday. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Question from Les: Why is the app? We just got a new app for Texas sports. Okay. Uh, curious your thoughts, Les? Are you iPhone or Android? I mean, if you're iPhone, the app should automatically update for you. You shouldn't have to do anything. If you're Android, you've got to download the new app. So. Maybe you just keep reinstalling the old app, and I've reached out to the old developer to try to get them to take the old app off the Google Play Store. So hopefully, like, very soon, by the end of this week at the latest, uh, the old app isn't there. But if you are on Google Play, make sure you find the new app. It's got the same name, so it's kind of annoying, uh, but it, you'll you'll look in the screenshots in the description for the app. You'll see something that looks different than what you have right now. So, Les, if you're uh, an Android user, Make sure you're not reinstalling the old app over and over again because uh, that's not going to do you any good. Sorry for the confusion there. But, yeah, hopefully by the end of this week, once again, there's only one Texas Sports Unfiltered app in that store, so there won't be any more confusion right there. Uh, all right, Trey and BK coming up here. Trey will hop on momentarily. Uh, Jordan, I heard you talking with Jeff a little bit. Like, it, Does anything Oklahoma State – does scare you at all i mean ollie gordon's their best player there's no doubt about that but i mean i I look at oklahoma state and i see a lot of texas tech in them and i think they're better than texas tech but it's like uh, an an average quarterback a really good running back but they're just not that great at anything and i don't know if texas is going to win this game by 50 but uh, honestly jordan i'd be a little surprised if it's like less than three touchdowns on saturday yeah um i don't know I've kind of been thinking the same thing as you, but also, like, man, my Gundy's teams play so salty, and they go balls to the wall. And, yep. you know, this is the same stuff I said about Joe McGuire coming into coming into Austin last Friday. Like, he's going to have his team ready and fired up to come play at DKR in front of a sellout crowd, and they obviously came out and laid an egg and got donkeyed. Um, Oklahoma State, I think it's going to be different. I expect uh, AT&T to be packed out mostly with Texas fans, but – you know, there's still going to be some some Okie State fans there. And I don't know. Uh, I, I think it's either going to be a blowout or it's going to be super close. I don't see them winning by just like seven or ten um, or 13, whatever. Uh, I think it'll be close. The player that scares me the most, obviously, Ollie Gordon. Um, I got to see him play in high school. And any of us who saw him play in high school, I said he's playing in the NFL. He's going to be a dude. Wow. <laughs> and everyone, uh, he ended, I think, 
24-7 actually was lower on him than anyone else. So big miss there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyone who saw him in high school, man, he was he was so special and is special. Um, so great to see him doing what he's doing now, and we all expected it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, a lot of big programs across college football missed out, but uh Mike Gundy as he's done so often, was able to find that kind of needle in the haystack, and Ollie Gordon's a, a hell of a player. Jordan, this was fun, man. Excited to uh, be listening to you and Jeff from 11 to noon every day moving forward. And uh, I can't thank you enough for, for joining our team at Texas Sports Unfiltered, man, and thanks for sticking around with me for a little bit today. Yes, sir. Excited, uh, excited to be on and first of many. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Take care, brother. See you tomorrow. Yes, sir.